This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The 53rd annual San Francisco Pride Celebration is happening this weekend. The annual tradition is a defining event that makes San Francisco, San Francisco. As sobering headlines try to define what the city is right now, isn't it a great time to have that reminder? Especially as anti-LGBTQ legislation continues to be introduced in state legislatures across the country. This year, SF Pride's theme is Looking Back and Moving Forward, a nod to the LGBTQ activists and organizers of the past, as well as the emerging new leaders in the community. The SF Pride Parade will take place on Sunday morning, and one of the grand marshals of the event is exactly that, an emerging queer community leader who has made incredible waves not only in San Francisco, but across the world. Primary care physician and LGBTQ rights activist Dr. Nasir Mohammed, or Dr. Nas, was chosen by the public to help represent SF Pride this year. On record, Dr. Nas is officially the first and only person from the Gulf state of Qatar who has ever publicly come out as gay. The Middle Eastern country became a flashpoint last year when it hosted the World Cup because of its repressive policies against its LGBTQ citizens. Being queer in Qatar could result in torture or even life imprisonment. And while in custody, LGBTQ people can be subjected to severe and repeated beatings and sexual harassment. The fear of persecution led Dr. Nas to live in exile in the United States. He's been a resident of San Francisco since 2015. Before the World Cup game started last year, Dr. Nas sprung into action. He came out publicly on BBC News, launched a Love is Not a Crime international campaign, and gathered stories and reports from LGBTQ Qataris. That culminated in a Human Rights Watch report, which documented the conditions of LGBTQ individuals in Qatar. Today on Fifth Emission, a conversation with Dr. Nasir Mohammed, one of this year's SF Pride Grand Marshals. How has activism changed his life? How does he negotiate his Qatari identity now that he's disconnected from both his family and his homeland? And what will leading the SF Pride Parade mean for him? Dr. Naz, thank you so much for joining Fifth Emission. Thank you for having me. So the public elected you as one of this year's Grand Marshals for San Francisco Pride. Tell me what that honor means to you, especially since it was the people who overwhelmingly made that choice. It was really an awesome honor and surprise. It's been hard immigrating and coming here as an LGBT person from Qatar. It's always been isolating. And when I first came to the United States, it was post 9-11. And I was a target for a lot of Islamophobic and xenophobic mistreatment. And during that time, I honestly found myself hiding my Middle Eastern background just to avoid persecution and mistreatment. 
And then there is the challenges that every LGBT person goes through. It's just like self-acceptance and realizing that you're different. And so I had to go through all of that. Last year is when I forcibly kind of mashed the two together. I was like, they must coexist to say something uh, right now and had to own both identities simultaneously, which is really difficult because it makes me a target for so many reasons mm -hmm. to hold all of the pieces together. But I am all these pieces and they are all parts of me. So this year, like when I heard that I will be one of the Grand Marshals of Pride, I was really happy because I think a lot of people would see me and can see one piece of them reflected back. Now, as you mentioned, last year was when you publicly came out as gay. It was because of the 2022 FIFA Men's World Cup. It was this intentional effort on your part to counter what Qatari officials were suggesting, that there were no LGBTQ people in Qatar, that queerness was only a Western thing. This thrust you into a very public position of being an activist. How prepared were you for that kind of spotlight? I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I don't think I've ever been on TV before this. Like, I don't think I've ever given interviews or done anything. I didn't do media training or none of that. I just like came out swinging basically and did it in a very authentic way because I really did want to say something. And I just needed to go and say something. When the world was watching, there was this message that LGBT rights are not universal human rights and we're going to put them aside and and that LGBT individuals do not belong in certain cultures and traditions. And that is that is false. The fact is, LGBT individuals exist everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I felt like my own journey and story and suffering was just being erased in that moment in time. Like I don't even exist. Mm -hmm. And coming out and on BBC World and BBC Arabic to my entire country, I think a lot of my family learned I'm gay on BBC Arabic. And mm. doing that just gave visibility to like so many of us in the Gulf, not just myself. And I like what the executive director of Pride, Susan Ford, is saying this year. She's saying, we're going to draw a line on Market Street and you're going to have to take a side because there is no halfway position with human rights. Mm -hmm. You're either for or against mm -hmm. LGBT rights. And that is how I feel. That's how I felt last year, too. The World Cup and your coming out put a spotlight on the experiences of LGBTQ people in Qatar and other Gulf states. Did the spotlight fade after the World Cup? What are things like now? So when I came out on BBC World, I became the very first one of us to do this in Arabic, um, ever from Qatar, a small country, and none of us has done this before. And what happened is that hundreds came out to me. So a lot of them were still in Qatar. Some of them were asylum seekers in the U.S., England, and Germany. A lot of them didn't want to come out because it's risky and it comes at a cost. I, I knew that there was just going to be a short period of a media storm. To me, it was a moment to go ahead and connect to the right people so we can do something. So what we did is we got the stories of LGBT Qataris covered in some documentaries, some in Germany and some in London, as black silhouettes with voiceovers like to protect their identities as much as we could. 
but we documented that these are real people that were going through these experiences and we just had them all share the various ways they were persecuted and in their own words how they were suffering in silence and hoping to find a way to to be in peace i think one what was one of the most important things we did is connect the victims that were in jail for years and abused to an independent researcher with the human rights watch and to put an evidence-based report out and we did this in october and then when that happened we organized the effort by opening the first lgbt nonprofit that will be focused on the gulf region because when i was looking for help there was none mm-hmm. there was no organization working on this issue mm-hmm. so after the media storm faded i want to say a different type of work started picking up and two months ago we gave the first scholarship to an lgbt qatari to resettle in england mm. so that happened within a year of me coming out wow and i think i really believe that the biggest value i want to give to people in the middle east is just a reason to wake up and try one more day i needed a shot at life mm. and i needed to find my own path and i needed to wake up and live with my reality every day and find a way and for that i needed hope and i think we need to at least give that and and that's what pride is to me it's just giving hope for everyone to keep fighting how is dr naz trying to help the lgbtq community through healthcare and what is he looking forward to in sunday's pride parade he'll share after a quick break this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Dr. Nasir Mohammed, you've taken this incredible journey from being an asylum seeker to amplifying the voices of the LGBTQ citizens of your home country. And this journey has been filled with lots of difficult choices. I understand that since you came out, you no longer have a relationship with any of your family members. It's a really hard decision that many LGBTQ people have to weigh in their own lives. Do you have any advice for people facing what seems like an impossible choice? Oh gosh that's so that's so difficult right and i can't tell anyone else what to do but when i was going through my own journey i got to a point where i was convinced that the life that i was living was not possible for me like i couldn't do it the choice to me wasn't oh maintain a relationship with your family and have a less optimal life or live this life it was this life or no life mm mm-hmm. being an lgbt person is so linked to our sense of well-being when it's not acknowledged and not affirmed you're just not connecting to other humans around you and i do feel like i have a family they're not my blood family but i have a family that i'm authentically connected to that really love me back and love me in all the ways that i am and i love them back i feel home mm-hmm. i feel home here in san francisco i feel like i have really good support system a really good family and 
I do not regret my decision is what I want to say. Yeah. You know, for a lot of immigrants and refugees, many of us, including myself, we get our cultural identity from our families. What keeps you connected to your cultural identity now? When I first moved here, I had like very traumatic immigration journey because of 9-11 and then because of like LGBT persecution from where I come from. And then I ended up dissociating completely from the Middle East and from Qatar, even though I spent the first 24 years of my life there. And I only spoke Arabic till the age of 15. Mm -hmm. When I moved to the United States in 2011, I just like stopped speaking Arabic, like completely. I stopped listening to Arabic music. I just had zero exposure to it for like maybe five years. When I moved to San Francisco, I found a small queer Middle Eastern community. And then that community grew a lot in the last like eight years. And after coming out publicly, more people from the Gulf reached out to me that are living here that are like some are LGBT and some are not. And they just reached out and said, you know, we want to be your community while you're here. Mm. So in a way, this connected me to so many more people. And now I'm connected and have relationships with a lot of people in the Gulf that still are living in the Gulf. It's just part of my identity, right? Like I just, it feels more authentic Mm -hmm. to me to have that expression. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of San Francisco, that you can connect with people in this city in that way. Speaking of San Francisco, you run Osra Medical in the city. It's an LGBTQ affirming primary care practice. What gaps in the healthcare system does your practice seek to fill? LGBT person is a battle every day. There are so many people holding different front lines. Some people are protecting our legal rights. Some people are protecting our health care. Some people are protecting um, our right to employment. There's just like all of these lines, right, that we have to think about and protect. And as a physician and as an immigrant and as an LGBT person, I just felt like I wanted to be in control of delivering my medical care. I didn't want it to be influenced by systems. I'm fully licensed by the state and I can practice medicine. I wanted my own patients to feel like when they come in and they need care, to not think somewhere in their head, I have to fight to get the care that I need, Mm -hmm. which is sadly a thought a lot of LGBT patients have in their mind when they go into healthcare settings. Are they going to look at at me differently? Am I going to be mistreated? How do I advocate for myself? And I I was mistreated because I was queer presenting. Mm -hmm. And that was really disappointing to me. And I think we need a lot of work in the healthcare sector. And we are doing it, but there is still room for growth 100%. Not criminalizing doctors that deliver LGBT affirming care is like a good step. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which which is sadly a pattern we're seeing in some states. Right. Well, San Francisco is such a haven for many people. It sounds like it might have been for you as well. What areas do you still think need attention in the city when it comes to the LGBTQ community? Or how should the city propel more conversation or dialogue about LGBTQ issues? Seeing a lot more representation uh, of people from different backgrounds. I think we need to give more platforms to people that are different. Really, I want to just leave it there, like, right? Just like, and like, sinking it for, for a moment. 
because we can sit here and keep trying to anticipate needs of our communities and all express what we think the city needs, but we can hear it directly from the city, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, we need to hear it. And that's what we need to do. We need to find a, a really good way to listen. Well, it's a big weekend coming up. Tell me, what are you most looking forward to? Gosh, I'm looking forward to so many things, but I am going to be making a scene on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for that moment because I do have a lot of eyes on me now from the Middle East. And a lot of people would be looking to see, I'm going to put it very frankly, they're looking to see if I dare. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're looking to see if I dare be everything that I am simultaneously and stand out. Mm-hmm. One of the photos that's circulating of me is me in my traditional outfit that I had to wear every day growing up. And then I just put a rainbow sash on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my coming out picture. And it's what I'm wearing to a lot of the Pride events here. But the truth is, it's it really doesn't represent my own identity. Like, it's too masculine for me. It's not how I even dress regularly. And so I'm going to be wearing a non-binary version of that. Mm. And... I want to say everything I want to say in one outfit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm excited about. I just want to get out and I want people to see something and immediately know what I'm trying to say. Well, I can't wait to see that, Dr. Nas. Happy Pride and congratulations on making it to this moment. What a great moment for the city as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Dr. Nasir Mohammed is a primary care physician, an LGBTQ rights activist, and a grand marshal of this year's SF Pride Parade. You can follow him on Instagram. He's at Dr. Underscore Nas. That's D-R dot underscore N-A-S-S. Learn more about his LGBTQ affirming primary care practice, Osra Medical, at osramedical.com. Thank you to Taya Francesca Price for editing this episode, to Sarah Feldberg for the production help, and to you for listening. 